0: Welcome to LitBit Literacy Research for the teacher on the go. I am Brooke Bianchi Pennington, and today I am here with Lachae Jennings. She is an instructor at ETSU and also um, with me in the doctoral program at UT in Literacy Studies. And we are here today to talk about science and literacy integration. So first of all, um, Lachey, what are you... Um, interested in studying in literacy studies.
1: Um, well, the research that um, I am working on now is around the integration of literacy and science. And in terms of lifelong research, I'm not sure if um, this is if I'm going to commit to this so much for my my dissertation. But I am very interested and committed to um, Appalachian studies. Mm-hmm. And looking at how that intersects with um, literacy and science um, correlations within the, the elementary school classroom. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, kind of malls, funds of knowledge. Like, what do kids from Appalachia bring uh, to the table in terms of science content knowledge and um, their their local their local communities, uh, whether it be ecology or even some cultural things like um, you know, perhaps farming, canning, cooking, um, those sorts of things. So and how do teachers tap into that. So
0: that's that's really cool. It's also it's like I feel like it's also um really relevant because we I think we have we have some work on um like maybe inner city literacies, things like that, but that rule element I think sometimes might get a little bit overlooked. So that's really interesting. Um, mm. So, and I also wanted to ask you real quick um, about your background um, in working with some of this, because um, you
1: started as an elementary school teacher. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And then, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in um, the Asheville, North Carolina area. Mm-hmm. I spent, uh, 12 years of my career there. I taught, um, first, uh, second, uh, third and fourth grades, uh, during my time in the classroom. And then I served four years, uh, for two schools, um, in the Eastern area of Asheville, um, as a K-6 curriculum coach.
0: Yeah. And you are mostly focused on, um, science as a curriculum coach, right?
1: Yes, and um, so it was during the time I was a curriculum coach uh, when the Common Core Standards were rolled out. I think that was, was that 2010? Uh, Yeah, And um, so at the same time, North Carolina, they were rolling out their state standards, um, and the next generation science standards hadn't been, um, hadn't come out yet. And so North Carolina um, had rolled out the North Carolina um, um, science standards. And so um, as a 12-member curriculum coach team, um, our direct supervisor put several of us um, in different areas um, so that we could attend the state training and then kind of bring that back to train um, teachers across uh, 24, approximately 24 elementary schools. And so, um, so basically, my job was to attend the science. And at first, just because I've always been such a literacy person, I've always in the the history of my career, I've attended the um, all kinds of like, um, leadership in literacy in services and professional development. I was broken hearted thinking, Oh, no, I don't get literacy this time. But that as we learned more about the science, and I've always been uh, very interested in science and, and, and just motivated um, to teach science, um, I started talking to more teachers and realizing that under our district um, plan for use of time, that um, science and social studies kind of got the short end of the stick later on finding out that that was kind of the norm for um, a lot of elementary schools just under No Child Left Behind, that the focus was reading and math. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started looking at, because another part of Common Core Standards um, was that shift to more content area literacy and uh, nonfiction expository texts. So I started brainstorming with some teachers how we could... Bring science more into the forefront. And um, as a result of that, um, we conducted a two-year study in partnership with ETSU um, to get a science lab uh, on its feet and uh, come up with a schedule for teachers to bring their class to the science lab and had Title I assistants help run the lab um, but all science lab activities were planned as a team with the classroom teachers. And then I worked with classroom teachers to create literacy activities um, in their classrooms that kind of um, fit into the schedule um, with the topic that they were going to be covering in the lab. Mm -hmm. So um, every student kept a pretty detailed uh, science notebook. Um, We developed assessments um, and we really went by the 5E learning cycle And we build their literacy aspects as part of that five E learning cycle.
0: Will you um, uh, go over those five E's real quick for listeners?
1: Um, Yes. Well, the, um, basically you start out with an engage, um, which is just to get language in the air. And that could be with a, a poem, um, a short reading. It could be an image projected at the front of the room. It could be, um, a short demonstration, uh, you know, a science demonstration, just to kind of get the the language, get the class um, talking about the topic. And so um, after Engage, you have Explore, which the Explore phase is the hands-on inquiry, inquiry in the science lab. Mm-hmm. And um, then Explain and Elaborate. Um, and those two phases um we agreed on were other good areas to have like whole group um, reading activities or, or shared reading um, with grade level texts um, and doing your, your literacy activities, but basically connecting the words on the page to the actual hands-on inquiry that happened in the science lab. And, and the final stage would be to evaluate um. um, you know, to, to look at your assessments.
0: And I think you, um, what really made me want to, uh, bring you on the podcast was, I think you did kind of a demonstration of this in one of our seminars that we had together, um, with the tomatoes. So I think you started the engage with a poem about tomatoes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was, that was great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I really liked that. Um, you started with a poem, a really descriptive poem about tomatoes that just really described like the feel of them in your mouth. And um, and I, I don't remember the poem specifically, but I remember um, just how descriptive it was and how vivid it was. And then you brought in um, for the explore part, um, like tomatoes from your garden, I think, right?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, my daughter and I um, used Uh, An old, uh, very old, um, uninhabited dog lot to um, create, uh, to fill full of mulch and um, compost. And we actually um, did a little recycling experiment with that and to grow tomatoes to see what, um, what types of soil they grew best in. And we documented it. So that was something that we really got into that summer.
0: One, well, I really liked how you got us involved, the class involved with that poem, and then we got to, like, explore the tomatoes. I could really see this working well in an elementary school classroom. I mean, it kept a bunch of, um, you know, graduate students in a night class engaged, so I feel like it could keep elementary school students engaged. Um, you know, we were feeling the tomatoes and exploring them. Um and I just remember that really vividly as like an example of how you would s- combine, you know, start with a poem and then go into a hands-on science activity, exploring kind of the natural world and then moving on from there.
1: Right. And that particular lesson in the poem, um, it, um, and then I think I used a nonfiction article too, to go with it. And it was um, talking about how tomatoes scientists are looking at tomatoes um, for being able to survive extreme conditions uh, and and um, being able to adapt to different environments, sometimes even harsh environments. And um, one of the mechanisms, the natural mechanisms that they have is tropism and um, it aligned with a Tennessee state standard. And I cannot recall the grade level, but it seems like it was middle school, but it specifically mentioned tropism. Hmm. And so, and even the poem um, alluded to that, the, the author's word choice in the poem alluded to the fact that tomatoes can grow anywhere and they can branch off one another and change direction depending on the landscape. And um, so the actual, to- the samples that I brought in for the tomatoes actually showed the little nubs on the side of the stalk um, for tropism, for traveling across um, the earth and changing directions, kind of spreading out. Right. Yeah. Kind of, um, an adaptation. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. So obviously what we're talking about here
0: is, um, science and literacy integration. Um, and the, the article, I, this might've even been a different class. We've had several classes together. So the article, um, that you maybe had us read for that class, or maybe it was a different class, was um, actually a chapter from a book, Integrating Literacy and Science, the research Mm -hmm. we have, the research we need. Um, This is by, I can't pronounce these names, but uh, Curvetti, Pearson, Barber, Hibbert, and Bravo. And so I thought we'd uh, discuss this real quick because it's um, very similar to, this research article is, is very similar to what it seems you were doing as a a science coach um, in creating this integrated curriculum. Um, And so this article was talking about the program they developed was called Seeds of Science, Roots of Reading. And it talked about their approach, but then it also went through and talked about kind of the background of different types of uh, science and literacy integration practices that have happened. Um, So maybe I'll just first ask, uh, why do you think it's important to integrate science and literacy together?
1: Well, like I said, um, I think, um, I know, like in my studies at um, UTK, um, even before that, I've been very interested in curriculum. And uh, thinking about curriculum in terms of progressivism, um, not just sticking with the drill and kill, paper to pencil. um, But I believe that hands-on inquiry can motivate even the most reluctant students. Mm -hmm. I I, I can see what it does with my own child. And I'm actually uh, tutoring a second grade uh, male, a first grade female and a seventh grade male, and I'm using pieces of this um, literacy and science um, integration with them. And and as reluctant students, I can see the light bulb turn on. Suddenly they're motivated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So motivation is the number one thing, because I think that we have more promise for academic growth from a child that is motivated by whatever um, the teachers trying to put in front in front of them, rather than um, just getting isolated tasks in literacy or in science or um, just um, remember remembering isolated facts. Right. So, um, I think that the integration of literacy and science is indicative of progressive education. Um, I do think that it um, can have like cultural impacts. We talked about that in terms of like Appalachia and my interest with that.
0: Yeah, coming, just, coming from like a, um, definitely my research area lies in, in motivation. Um, I definitely see that. Um, this article talks about as a background for the curriculum that they developed, uh, CORI or Concept-Oriented Reading Instruction. Um,
1: yes. Guthrie.
0: Yes. yes. And so Guthrie is, you know, I, I read Guthrie all the time. Um, but I, I really like that idea. So, um, well, do you want to talk about that real quick? I, that's one of the frameworks for this article was Corey, um, just what that is.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, the, the whole seeds of science roots of reading, it comes from the university of California, Berkeley. The, the important thing that Cervetti uh, Pearson, Barber, Hebert, and Bravo do with um, this background research just is to say, hey, there are all these people that have been interested in the integration of literacy and science, and here is what we know, but then there are also a few things that we still need to study to, to learn about this, this practice. So um, they bring up um, Corey, like you mentioned, Guthrie, Anderson, Allo, and Reinhardt. that's a 1999 study. It was a year-long study that, uh, conducted this, um, intervention in third and fifth grade classrooms, and they found that, uh, it positively impacted student achievement, um, through, um, the kind of content area, um, uh, integration with literacy. Um, and then the, They also um, looked at Karen and Sund. That's a 1985 model. And it basically also um, advocated for interdisciplinary teaching. Um, Some of these studies, including um, another study that they mentioned through this article, if we're going through the history of this in 1991, looked at um, how comprehension strategies can be applied to science texts. Mm-hmm. So um, lots of these lots of these models um, look at discourse in science and um, looking at read alouds in science and how um, it impacts like vocabulary development. One thing that, that the seeds of science roots of reading, um, they say, is that um, there's still so much that we need to learn about. They call it the synergy Mm -hmm. between literacy and science, and how um, how one directly impacts the other, or um, provides almost like a service to the other. Mm -hmm.
0: They have a few phrases in here that I really liked when they were talking about that, um, like Mm -hmm. overlapping cognitive demands of science and literacy. Um, There's really a lot in common between the two. Um, They talked about things like um predicting, classifying, interpreting uh, those are things that you have to do both in literacy and in science. Um and so there's a lot of similar processes going on, so integration can really like you said, um offer synergy like it's not just we're doing one in service of the other or kind of fitting one in, but it's more when put together, both of these things can um be learned more successfully.
1: Absolutely. We um at ETSU we're currently involved in a um it's an MSP grant work and so we're actually bringing some for 2 years we've worked with middle school and high school teachers um on integrating literacy and science and um this year we're bringing in elementary school teachers and um that is kind of something that we've been looking at and um, We pulled up the science standards from the next generation uh, science standards and the literacy or the practices, the science practices, excuse me. And um, alongside the literacy practices and the first activities that we have teachers do is draw a line from one to the other and how they match. And it's amazing how closely they really do match.
0: And that's kind of borne out even, you know, you were talking about the higher levels too. If you think about the ACT, um, the science section of the ACT is just reading with some charts. Um, And so that's, you can see how how closely they're related. But some of these, um, like, I kind of just like the ideas of these, because even if you don't pick up a particular method or a particular curriculum, Um, The concepts behind teaching these in tandem um, are really strong in this article. Like with the Quarry one, uh, the idea is that um, something that literacy studies has talked about forever, which is kind of goal uh, oriented reading, knowledge goal. Um, Mm -hmm. So starting with a question and then having students read to answer that question Um, And that works really well with science when you start out with a hypothesis or a question or a a wondering, as some of the other models call it. Um, And then they're just reading um, in order to help furnish that knowledge goal and combining that with real world experiments or hands-on activities, things like that.
1: Yes. Yes. I also like just piggybacking off what you just said. Um, how they do discourse um, circles. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about discourse and vocabulary of uh, science are two big areas, um, and that has me thinking about in those of us really engaged in um, in the the importance of independent reading and self-selected reading. I know at least in the elementary grades, um, I know we spend a lot of time talking about what does a, a one-to-one self-selected reading conference look like between a teacher and a student and how you tap into a student's reading ability and the types of texts that they choose on their own and whether or not that, they're able to successfully process and comprehend that text. And so this kind of makes me think about what would a literacy and science uh, teacher and student conference look like? So um, I'm trying to think about how that would fit into my study uh, because I would love to capture some audio clip, even just a five minute conversation between a teacher and a student around either a science experiment or even a piece of text um, after having had the hands-on experience, just to, just to look at the talk. Mm -hmm.
0: I feel like um, some of these models provide kind of a, you know, a a starting point for that. Like um, I believe it's the, um, the guided inquiry supporting multiple literacies model. (laughs) Um, that's talked about in here, um, they talk about keeping, um, or not keeping, they actually talk about a text, the text, one of the main texts they use for their science um, curriculum was a scientist notebook. So instead of it being a traditional expository text, it was kind of a text that laid out um, a scientist's notes and thoughts about the process of learning and experimenting um, and so they, the students would do hand on exper- hands on experience, the experiments. Um, and then, you know, I, I didn't say it here, but I bet they would, you know, be taking their own notes and creating their own notebook. But they also had this, um, I guess, kind of professional one as a guide, um, as a mentor text to see how someone else was writing about science. Yeah, I mean, this, this work has been going on for a long time. But I do think we still, even though we see the benefits, and I think it's pretty obvious to see the benefits of combining literacy and science. Um, I do think it's sometimes still separated for lots of reasons. Um, did you encounter any like maybe pushback on trying to do, um, this program or any kind of pushback on trying to combine literacy and science?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we definitely, Uh, We're teaching in a testing culture Um, that comes kind of um, above our heads in a lot of ways. I mean, um, as teachers, we're kind of uh, forced, um, uh, you know, to exist with um, the tensions around standardized testing and you know I've got to prepare my students and uh, feeling um, a little scared to take risks or to um, to be creative um, they're teaching and I know um, but it it's so inspiring to see um, a teacher actually read through I know for our summer professional development we have been, working um the program coordinators we've been working to try to uh purchase to dig for these these texts these these beautiful trade books and picture books and um and not only in expository text which i know the model you were just talking about the GISML. one big factor in that model is uh looking at text genre too so um so for our summer MSP uh, professional development, we have been working really hard to try to to find fairy tales and uh, folk tales and other types of fiction, not just expository text, um, to get teachers motivated by that because it is so inspiring to to get a group of teachers together and then have a bank of really beautiful. Um, uh, books and see the creativity just start oh, how I can use text sets to pair one up with an, with another. And um, ultimately I feel like that you still get to the same you know if, if you need to put in a question that mirrors Tcap part of this and um, then then you would have the freedom to do so. You could totally do that. And you could still work with expository text and fiction text. You could still address, um, you know, the standard where you're reading across text, um, but but you can do so in a way that's not so dry, uh, you know, following a, a teacher's manual or, uh, you know, to, to have something that you get excited about, <clears throat>
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, um, there can be hesitancy no matter what grade level you're at. Like you said, in elementary school, sometimes um, because of testing, the focus would be on English and math, and you would not have a lot of time for science or social studies. I've heard that from um, friends who have kids in elementary school as well, that they don't have a lot of science instruction. Or then when you move to middle school, um, I've heard stories recently of um, RTI um, cutting into, they, they carved out that time from science and social studies. Um, and then when you get into high school, it's a little different because you have it blocked off in different sections and they, they get the same amount of time. Um, but then you have, it's so blocked off that you really miss that integration, you know, science, Um, teachers won't want to teach literacy because that's the English teacher's job. And then English teachers don't want to bring in science text because that's the science teacher's job. Um, And then it gets really disjointed. But I think even though these models are talking about elementary school, they have a lot of good suggestions that could work all the way through middle and high school as well. Um, Because one, one quote I really liked was, they talked about science as a discourse about the natural world. And I think you mentioned that um, discourses, but they said biology is not plants and animals. It's language about plants and animals. Astronomy is okay. not plants and stars. It's a way of talking about planets and stars. Um, and so, you know, science is a language, a way of talking about things. And so that kind of metacognition of being able to learn how to talk about a poem is very similar to ha- learning how to talk about a plant. Um, so they really do, they can integrate really well. I agree. Um, and they talked about some of the um, concerns that maybe um, possibly science teachers or people who are um, focusing on science might be concerned with using text. Um is that it might take away from the firsthand investigations. um, But they kept talking about how the text can support those firsthand investigations. um, And it it wouldn't be used to to replace the actual experiments, the actual working through things in, in the real world. It would just be used to supplement it, to engage with it, to have a better mode of understanding it and writing about it and discussing it?
1: Um, Absolutely. Uh, Specifically within the Seeds of Science Roots of Reading article uh, reads that uh, reading and writing are taught and applied as means to build scientific understandings and to participate in a world of scientific inquiry and then the, the vocabulary and the word knowledge that students acquire during a unit would spur on the literacy development.
0: Yeah. They had a really good point about the vocabulary. They saying that, um, you know, seeing, trying to integrate it, you think about having to teach literacy and having a list of vocabulary words and like teaching that over teaching the big concepts, but they make a good point saying that, um, vocabulary words are concepts and so when you teach a word you're really teaching a big concept and that you have to learn a lot of those big conceptual words in science. Um and sometimes it's hard. Like I, I know I hear science teachers worry um that their students you know, that, that they can't understand the textbook or they can't understand um, any information they give them. They haven't built up specific science literacies. Um, so integrating literacy into science will help them be able to read in that context as well as read in um, other contexts.
1: Um, yeah, it makes me think about <laughs> my daughter. Um, we were planting in our garden and she's five. And um, she said, Mama, do plants breathe like we do? I said, well, they do. It's through transpiration. And she said, huh, you never told me that in class before. <laughs> and um, I guess because she is with me a lot of the times when I tutor. Um, that she considers that class. I'm not sure, but um, she is so amazed by the science words. Today, the word was venomous. Wanted to know what venomous was. Um, and two, I caught myself saying over the transpiration comments, well, Zoe, we, we haven't really had an opportunity to talk about that before. And now that we are here side by side planting, you know, and and working on our garden and seeing these little squash seedlings come up, um, because we have that experience right now, we have our hands in the dirt, right there it is in front of us, it does offer an opportunity to talk about the word transpiration.
0: And then possibly maybe go find some more information, some texts about. That. Ab-
1: absolutely. And then Again, back to that. Um, and earlier, I could not think of what the acronym was. So I've looked it up during our conversation. But it is uh, the BSCS. It's the Biological Sciences Curriculum Study. It was established in 1958. And that is um, where the five E's came from. And found that the teachers that i worked with um, in integrating literacy and science, we were so trained in the balanced literacy model to have like your whole group shared reading, then your small group guided reading, your word study, your writer's workshop, um, your word block, that it was a new way of thinking about it. We had to take that model and kind of merge it into this idea that the five E's, um, you know, literacy could happen in a different way than that. Those isolated 45 minute blocks of a certain type of reading or a certain type of writing. Um, so, um, again, just like you said, I think, you know, um, even just taking a short article and looking at the different models through time and how um, some researchers approached the integration of literacy and science out of efficiency you know, to make sure that had content area instruction. And, and I've talked with teachers who look at it that way. Um, and then you have other models that say, well, the reading is just going to happen from a read aloud. Um, well, that is one type of, of literacy. Um but then, you know, you could also have choral reading as part of it, fluency, you know, uh, uh, working with poetry around a science topic. That could be another type of literacy. Um, and um, and having students doing their own research, as you mentioned, with ver- various digital texts or even the teacher offering a bank, you know, a, a crate full of books from the library. I've done that, too, Um. Around a science topic and letting students choose their own texts, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's not just the texts that interest me too. It's also the type of writing and the types of conversation um, a, a, around these science topics. Like, how does it um, impact um, the all-around overall achievement? Um, of students and motivation, because I feel like if students are more motivated, achievement will rise from that.
0: Well, I'm talking about um, the, the kinds of writing they do around it. Um, one of these uh, articles mentioned, or one of these models mentioned like um, teaching students about poster sessions, like ways to present their data and, um, that requires writing skills or different kinds of presentation skills. Um, I even think about um, Katie Thomas, who's been on the podcast a lot. She recently um, did a study and she presented her data, but she got to do a creative presentation. So she did um, turned it into some found poetry um, in oh, presenting yes. data. Yeah. So, that could be another thing students could do is do an experiment, do all the normal science stuff and then find a creative way to present that out. Um, and using literacy skills for that as well. So, so their findings after they implemented this program, um, how did it, how, how are the results for science and literacy?
1: This was in 2005. Students using the seeds of science and roots of reading units made significantly greater gains in science and literacy outcomes than students in the comparison conditions. Students that I worked within this these units, exhibited consistent, statistically significant advantages over students using the science-only materials.
0: Yeah, so I mean basically the students who participate in this particular integrated curriculum um, saw gains in both science and illiteracy. Um It wasn't just one or the other. And they also mentioned that it worked um, particularly well for Um, like low uh, socioeconomic status students um, and English language learners. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense because it's providing the hands-on experience along with the reading um, that is often lacking when it's just reading by itself.
1: Yeah. And I think that goes back to motivation too. Um, and, And also I think there's power and having your hands on something physical and then attaching the word to it. So, so being able to attach the word to the experience.
0: Once again, thank you to Lachey for talking with me today. Don't forget to keep up with everything LitBit at LitBit.org. There you will find all the ways to connect with us on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. There's also a forum so you can join the conversation. LitBit is now a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, where you can check out other great education podcasts, including Podcast PD. You can check out that and other great podcasts at www.edupodcastnetwork.com. Also, once again, thanks to Mega Eats for providing our in and out music. Thanks for listening.